So we've got two Bible readings today. The first one is from uh, the book of Psalms 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. The second Bible reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, on page 1175 of the Church Bibles. Oh, glasses. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to teach one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned to it. No, sorry, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks, Cynthia. Let's keep your Bibles open there as we think about trying to find something worth building. Well, I want to uh, begin by getting us thinking about your body, okay, or your spouse's body if you've got one, and. Um, Introduce your, to reintroduce you to someone many of us know, at 68, he's one of the world's best known bodybuilders. He promised, I'll be back, and he is. Um, so bodybuilder, movie star, 
ex-governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he has a dream. When I was 20, I wanted to be world champion in bodybuilding. So then it was five hours a day in the gym. My dream when I finished bodybuilding competitions was to not just lift weights for myself, but to lift the entire sport of bodybuilding and to promote health and fitness throughout the world. That's not a very good Arnie accent, I know, but there you go. Best I've got. Best I've got. Uh, you could just try yours on over morning tea. Anyway, his vision. His vision, transform the world by transforming people through bodybuilding. He's just been out to Australia uh, again for the second time in a year, running his Arnie Classics, uh, 18,000 people involved. He started an after-schools wellbeing program for kids. He's travelling the planet, trying to bring world transformation through transforming people's lives, through bodybuilding. It's 48 years since Arnie won Mr Universe and a lot of research has been done around resistance training and bodybuilding. And what they've discovered is it's actually the best for weight loss. It's one of the best ways you can improve and maintain your body function for 15-year-olds to 85-year-olds. Uh, Arnie helped... Um, uh, with a uh, university study uh, back in 1976 and they discovered a huge gain in confidence and well-being for people with intellectual disabilities who did bodybuilding a couple of times a week. Transform the, form the world by transforming people through bodybuilding. I mean, I wonder what you think of that as a way, as Arnie's vision um, for transforming things. Uh, I quite like it. Um, Partly because, uh, in a different sense, it's exactly God's vision for transforming the world that we live in by transforming people's lives through bodybuilding. And of course, the sort of bodybuilding that God has in mind is a different sort of bodybuilding. God's focus uh, is not on our human bodies, but on church bodybuilding, church bodybuilding. As we think about um, the heart of the question, of the, the questions at the heart of this series that we're doing over these four weeks, True Worth, uh, it's beautifully actually captured there in verse 1 of chapter 4. So just open your Bibles up there, verse 1, chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, of the calling you have received, to live a life worthy. How do you live a worthy life? Well, you do it in response to God's grace. We do it in response to God's call of grace on our lives. How do we avoid getting to the end of our lives and worshipping the wrong things? Uh, well, it's the idea of giving God his true worth, and the Bible calls that worship. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we saw that to live a life of true worth, to be true worshippers, uh, we actually need God to make us into true worshippers. Last week, Jamie uh, really helpfully unpacked uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians, um, helping us to understand that there is no more worthwhile community uh, to belong to than your local church. And this week we're asking the question, where can we find something worthy to build? And uh, three headings, three headings, if you want to work your way through. The two uh, we go through very quickly, leave most of the space in your leaflets for the third one. Uh, three headings, God the bodybuilder, Paul, the bodybuilder, and you, the bodybuilder, okay? So, God, the bodybuilder. 
the letter to the Ephesians, uh, it's a little bit like a soccer game or a game of rugby. It's, it's played in two halves, okay? Uh, the first half of Ephesians, chapters 1 to 3, uh, celebrates, celebrates God's eternal plan to gather all people, to gather all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And the way God is doing that is through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's through his death that God is reconciling people to God and to each other. The second half of Ephesians 4 to 6, Paul is writing to help Christians everywhere to understand how we should respond to God's eternal plan of grace. Just have a look with me as we just unpack this idea that God himself is a bodybuilder. So just uh, chapter 2, chapter 2 verses, what have I got here, 13 and 14. 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier dividing the wall of hostility. Uh, Jesus' death, as Jamie said last week, it's the ultimate Berlin Wall moment in history. Uh, that where in Jesus' cross, God tears down uh, any wall of hostility that is there between people and God and provides the opportunity for people to tear down any wall of hostility that is between them and the rest of humanity. It's the ultimate Berlin Wall moment, which is why we read in uh, uh, Ephesians 2, a bit further on in verses 21 and 22, that in him, that is in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, that is in Jesus, in Christ, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Who's doing the building here? God is okay whose building is it it's God's building the image of a temple a building uh, to the image of his people of course God isn't actually into bricks and mortar at all Uh, the building that God is building is a people he's gathering a people for himself Uh, and what is utterly unique about God's people of God compared to any other community group we might belong to is God's spirit dwells amongst us God himself dwells among his people god is the ultimate bodybuilder he's building a people for himself to know and enjoy him right now and into eternity and where do we see god fulfilling this sort of eternal building project he's only ever had one building project and this is it and he's fulfilling it right now where in local churches just like this in your everyday local church as we just pause for a minute, what does that mean for us? Well, Arnie Schwarzenegger, he spent five hours every day in the gym building the best human body he could and it was judged for a time, it was judged as the most desirable, the best human body on the planet. He won Mr. Universe and Mr. World six, seven years in a row. Uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But so determined and focused to be the best bodybuilder he didn't even go home to his father's funeral because he had to be in the gym God's only ever had one building project it's building local church bodies like this one 
How committed is God to his building project? How focused? Friends, our Father in heaven, he gave up his only son, his one and only son. Why? Because God so loved the world. So loved the world, he gave his only son. And, and his son, well, he left everything. He gave up everything, gave up all of his rights to come and give his life. So rebellious human beings anywhere uh, could be forgiven. Uh, enemies of God could be reconciled to God simply by faith in Jesus. At the Friday morning uh, men's brekkie that Mike Seafang now runs, I know some of you go there, um, that uh, some of the blokes, they have bacon and eggs. And uh, I just think the old bacon and eggs, it's a great meal. I love my bacon and eggs when I feel I can justify them, like I've had a, done enough exercise. But um, it's a great illustration, pretty tangible actually, of what it costs the chicken for the egg and what it costs the pig to be on the plate. Uh, of course, um, not so much for the chicken, uh, but for the pig, he gave everything. Uh, tangible uh, silly reminder in one sense, but a tangible reminder that as we think about what it means to be a Christian, uh, the, only, the only way we can be a Christian is because uh, God's Son, he, he did give us everything. And it's just a reminder as we think about God being a builder, how committed God is to building his church, there's no other more precious building project that God is committed to. And it just... Uh, I guess it sifts us to think about uh, how what God is building here, how that sort of fits in, how your local church fits in uh, to, to, to our many uh, things that, that, um, that grab our attention week by week. That brings us to Paul the bodybuilder, Paul the bodybuilder, point two. Uh, you see, what I love about Paul is he's not afraid to sort of hang the laundry out, uh, to share his story, to remind Christians that he was once somebody who was, got God all wrong. He didn't understand God's eternal plan of grace. He didn't understand that, that uh, this was always God's plan to build his church uh, by the death of his son. Uh, and so he spent his early years really focused in persecuting Christians, uh, trying to tear local churches apart and throw Christians in jail. Until, of course, he got shirt-fronted by the risen Jesus uh, as he walked on a road to Damascus. You can read about that in Acts chapter 9. Paul, Paul shares here in chapter 3 with the Ephesians the great mystery that was revealed to him. Uh, the mystery that was revealed to him that he was, he was not only saved, but he was commissioned. So just have a look in chapter 3, verses 6 to 10. Verses 6 to 10 there. Uh, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for the ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Uh, Paul is one of Jesus' hand-picked apostles, so he's unique, hand-picked apostles. 
upon which, upon whose word, he's building the church. Upon whose word he's building this church here. But did you pick up at the end of that sentence the mind-blowing thing, the mind-blowing thing that Paul says about church gatherings like this? Through the church, through the local church, through the worldwide church, every time Christians gather and show themselves to be a church, we show out the wisdom of God. Uh, it's, it's like um, we put on display for an unbelieving world, for all the powers in heaven and on earth, for an unbelieving world, that actually this plan of God, it really is real. God really is fulfilling his eternal plan of grace in Jesus. Now that we're all, we're all builders, we're all busy uh, building all sorts of things, um, building our bodies, building our marriages, building our families, building our careers, uh, building real estate, uh, share portfolios, uh, maybe building a retirement. All of that goes without saying. Approached with the right attitude, they're all wonderful and good gifts from a generous and good creator. The reason I had Psalm 127 read out uh, was just to remind us that these song lyrics, um, they're, they're ancient, but they're timeless. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Of course, God is building his house. It's called a church. That's what he's building. But it's also just a reminder that for all the things that we build, just how empty and vain life can be very quickly if we build God out of our lives. If all these other things that we are building, if they are not in orbit around God's son, the centre of the universe, then life very quickly can become empty, meaningless, and a lot of the things we can lose our way. We can lose our way, lose perspective. But these words also remind us just how meaningful and wonderful life can become for us as we give ourselves more and more to what God is building and as we build in God's strength, as we partner and get involved with what God's building. It's why Paul writes to Christians in Corinth who had actually lost their way, uh, lost their way significantly. Uh, but after unpacking the resurrection of Jesus. This is how he, he ends off the section. My beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain. Well, it brings us finally to that third point. You as a church bodybuilder, you as a church bodybuilder, uh, we're always going to get ourselves... Um, uh, as, as a bodybuilder, we're not going to get that right unless we properly understand those first two points. And I'm wondering, have you ever thought of yourself as a bodybuilder? Maybe once you were a bodybuilder. Um, have you ever thought just how unique, how distinctive and irreplaceable and unrepeatable you are to God? Uh, there's no one else like you. Not just as a son and daughter to God who is deeply loved by God. But the role that God has for each and every one of us in the building of his body, the church. Distinctive, irreplaceable, unrepeatable, unique. Uh, this is why Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16 uh, is here. And if it's like me and you've 
close your Bible, you've lost your way, just open up it again as we do uh, have a look at Ephesians chapter 4, 1175. God never intended that he be the only one who is concerned for the good of his people. Uh, He invites all of us uh, to get involved. And as a local church who knows just how worthwhile it is to give ourselves uh, to local church building projects, uh, Paul tells us how to do it. Uh, Three fundamental principles here, I think, in this passage. Uh, Unity, ministry and maturity. Unity, ministry and maturity. Uh, Verses 1 to 6, I think uh, I've uh, summed up as maintain unity. Maintain unity. Have a look at those first few sentences. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. The unity Paul is concerned with here is not an ecumenical unity. He's not talking about denominations getting on or parachurch organisations or anything like that. Uh, The unity he's actually talking about here is relational unity within local churches. It's gospel unity within local churches and gatherings like this. And I wonder if you picked up the three attitudes, the three attitudes there in verse 2. Be humble. Be humble. Uh, He's not talking about being shy. It's the idea of giving up our rights for the sake of others. Giving up our rights uh, always with other people's best interests in mind, especially for the gospel. It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, as C.S. Lewis said. Not thinking less of yourself, just thinking of yourself less and more of others. Secondly, he says, be gentle, be gentle. The word literally is, 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 is be meek. And again, uh, we don't think of meekness as a manly sort of quality especially. But on view is not being sort of, um, sort of effeminate or weak. Rather, it's dealing with one another with kindness with kindness, rather than sort of dealing with with people roughly or sharply, uh, dealing with people with great empathy and always trying to encourage them, encourage them, uh, sort of not trying to force the issue or bully them. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. The third way we are to maintain the unity of the spirit. And of course, in Paul's love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, patience is the first on his list. Have you ever wondered why love is patient? At the Bible, the Bible, before it is your story or my story, it's God's story, isn't it? The Bible is a story of God's long-suffering patience with rebellious and backsliding people. The whole Bible is really a story of God's patient love with people god holding off the day of jesus return because he so loves the backsliders he so loves the rebels so god is patient he doesn't want anyone to perish he's holding back the day and so christ-like love that bears with other god with other people in local churches and outside of them it's long-suffering love it's humble it's gentle it's patient Uh, we will patiently Uh, suffer the faults 
and the backsliding of others. We will persevere with one another. It doesn't mean we won't say anything. It doesn't mean we won't say what needs to be said. In fact, because we love people, we will try to very thoughtfully and gently say what needs to be said. But we'll always do it as a fellow pilgrim alongside. Alongside. It means we'll be slow to rebuke, recognising, look, spiritual growth, it takes time. It takes a whole lifetime. Uh, We're all sort of construction projects. We're all under construction, aren't we? Now, examples of what this could look and sound like, we could try uh, just continuing to uh, be coming to church, you know, asking after other people's successes and setbacks before we sort of get into talking about our own. Uh, coming to church with the sort of this attitude of really wanting to go out of our way, uh, to sit in different seats, to, to sort of sit, sit with people we don't know so well, to welcome them, to care for others. Uh, and let me say, this attribute, it is something that God that I should say that visitors often comment on in terms of how welcome we are. Think of us, what we're sort of like an, like an orchestra, you know, all playing different instruments. Uh, and when we're all sort of playing from the same song sheet, uh, playing in tune, uh, it, it really can look and sound beautiful. Uh, different skills combining to make beautiful music. Uh, but what happens if someone in the orchestra is, you know, Uh, wanting more attention they start playing more loudly uh, demanding their rights you know Um, I mean very quickly the conductor's going to bring him into line pretty quick for the sake uh, of the unity of the orchestra because others are going to get pretty frustrated aren't they Uh, but also just it's it's for the edification of others in the end they're playing music uh, for, for other people for their sort of enjoyment and so God is saying to local churches Play nicely. (laughs) Play nicely together. Um, Be mindful of one another. Uh, Local churches are no places for egos or or one-upmanship, you know, self-serving agendas. No, make every effort to maintain the unity of the bond of peace. Make every effort. And sometimes it is, it's hard work. Uh, It's just phenomenal that such a diverse bunch of good-looking people... uh, Get on so amazingly. Have you ever wondered how we managed to do that for 10 years? <laughs> like, it, it's, it's only by God's grace. And because we all keep working hard at being gentle, being humble, being patient. And it matters. The world is watching. The world is watching. Well, look, for unbelievers looking on at us here this morning, or who are aware that we're here this morning, uh, the local church, it might be sort of more of a spectator sport for them. Uh, but not so for Christians, for us here in the church. So the second, uh, um, second point here is, having looked at unity, we now turn our attention to think about ministry. Contribute your ministry. Contribute your ministry. That's Paul's second fundamental building block about how we build well with God. And here, he, he, having talked about unity, those first six verses, he now t- acknowledges that, Uh, the diversity of people uh, and the diversity of gifts and and everything that go into making up a local church. So verse 7 of chapter 4, verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Uh, We're all here, uh, for those of us here as Christians, 
we're only ever a Christian because uh, we're saved by grace alone. Uh, But the grace that Paul's talking about here is, um, is not that grace. Because every Christian, without exception, has been given gifts of grace to minister or serve others in your local church body. They're not given for our own personal satisfaction. They're given for the benefit of others. That we might, uh, you know, come to church is a bit like going to gym. So you can work out and use and exercise your gifts for the sake of others in the building of the local church. We shouldn't ever feel inadequate or insignificant, that means. Just because you don't have the same gifts or you're wired differently from someone else. Uh, there's no place for jealousy or anything like that. I mean, they're gifts apportioned from Jesus, they're gifts from Christ, given to you, especially just to you, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so we've got all these different and varied ministries. And that's really exciting because it means we've all got something to contribute. We've all got something to bring here every time we meet with other Christians. And of course, uh, not exercising our gifts uh, means that we, we can become flabby as Christians and self-orientated. But also, it sort of weakens the body. Did anyone ever play Jenga? You know, the Jenga, the game of Jenga? It's, you know, and you sort of pull out the sort of block and you pull out the other one and it's, every block you pull out, it sort of, it weakens the structure and it's more wobbly. Um, well, it, I think it's a great illustration of, of what happens um, when the serving in the ministry is left to a few in a local church. Each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And that's actually why it's sort of weird what follows. You know, when he, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives, he gave gifts to many people. You know, what does that mean? What's his doing here? He's quoting from Psalm 68. And very simply, uh, he's just saying God's victory is referring a time when uh, God uh, saved people out of Egypt, his people out of Egypt, to love and serve him from slavery, uh, to serving God as his God. Uh, but it pointed to a, a greater victory when God himself would come, Jesus would come and lead people out of a much worse slavery, slavery to sin, and bring us to be his people, uh, lead us to victory, if you like, uh, so we could actually serve God and his gospel purposes for the world. Now, the really big thing, the big thing that Paul is saying uh, in, in this section, sort of eight through... Um, 8 through 10, is very simply, wherever we go in the universe, descend down, descend up, or travel wherever Graham and Robin are going. Wherever you go, Christ has the victory. Christ has the victory over every people, over every power. Christ has the victory. The really profound thing that Paul is saying here is that Christ hasn't just given us gifts, sort of gifts to use and serves, but in saving you and in saving me, he gives us back to each other as gifts. That is, you as a person, you as, we, we are actually the gift. You are the gift to one another. I'm the gift. We're all the gift to each other. In saving us, how Christ gives us back to one another as the gift to build the local church that he saved you into. That's, that's a pretty big thought for a Sunday morning, isn't it? Have you ever thought about church like that? Ever thought of yourself as a gift? As a gift 
to what God is doing here? Uh, do you know, I've been thinking I've been married for 22 years. I finally worked out one of Gita's favourite places is Coles. How do I know that? She goes there every week. She's nodding her head at the moment, I know. It's not one of her favourite places. But as, as she goes to Coles, as we go to the shops, we, just, we, we go as a, a consumer, quite rightly. We get our trolley, we go in, we fill our trolley, we pay, we leave. We go as a consumer. Paul is saying, coming to your local church each week, it couldn't be more different. We should never walk in here uh, with empty trolleys, you know, as shoppers, with, with that sort of a mindset, but as servants. Not as consumers, but as contributors. Gifts coming to serve and give ourselves to God's building project. Uh, We're all bricks that God's taken off the pile and he's built into his church. But we should never come here to be passive bricks and sit here, but rather as church builders, as church builders. And let me say, we do, we've got some wonderful builders here, some wonderful builders here, uh, and so thankful to God for that. But if you're thinking, oh, okay, this is sort of quite revolutionary for the way I'm thinking about church, never thought about things this way. Uh, if you think, yep, you'd like to sort of exercise uh, some of your passions, some of your gifts, uh, get involved more, then please do talk to me. Verses 11 and 12, um, how do we sort of be the best builders we can be? Well, we've got to get equipped. We've got to get equipped, just like we do in our jobs and so many things we do. We go to training courses, we get equipped. Uh, it's often a lifelong exercise. It's like this, being a Christian. Verses 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Jesus has given local churches uh, uh, people with all different sorts of word gifts or the Bible teachers. He's given prophets and apostles to preserve the faith. We've got the Bible. Evangelists to bring people into the kingdom, uh, to train up Christians, to share their faith. Pastors, pastors and teachers, probably the same, pastor teachers, uh, to build up Christians um, to, to sort of maturity uh, so they can actually be the best they can be uh, as they love and serve Christ church in the world. Um, I don't know, in your workplace, or do, do you have PT days, you know, training days, a certain number of training days you've got to go, the company sends you off to be trained, uh, it's a good thing. It keeps you encouraged. You sort of share ideas. You get equipped. You get sharpened. It helps you to do a better job. Um, a helpful paradigm shift to think of making the effort here each Sunday. Again, thinking this is sort of taking a week out of personal PT, personal training, uh, where you come and get trained uh, how to think more Christianly, think more biblically, um, uh, learn skills, learn from one another, uh, learn from God's word, and... So we're better equipped, we're more mature and able to serve Christ and his church building project. Um, I've just outlined before, May's a great month. You know, men's convention, women's conventions, go along, uh, get equipped. Last Thursday week, I took the staff to half a day training day at Bible College of South Australia. Some people visiting uh, from Sydney, uh, helping um, lay people and... and, and, um, uh, pastors and teachers and stuff, helping us to think more biblically and pastorally around welcoming. How do we sort of uh, be more sensitive, welcome, uh, pastor and care for people who struggle with same-sex attraction? Uh, like it was a really, really helpful morning. Um, Robin went along as well. You can talk to her. 
But I think just having that attitude that just we're always got things to learn from the scriptures, always got things to learn from each other. Why get equipped? For works of service, says Paul, for works of service. The word there, service, it can be translated worship or ministry. True worshippers worship God, give glory to God as they gather and display God's purposes and as they serve or minister to one another. It's, it's why I said one of my favourite noises is, is, you know, we have the say good day time, the 360 time, because a big part of what we're meant to be doing together is ministering to one another. And as we do that, we glorify God. We glorify God. It means that in every local church, uh, God's vision, God's vision for, for changing the world is for every Christian to be involved. Uh, to be involved. It's been said that church can be playing, it's like playing a game of netball. You've got 100 spectators on the sideline in desperate need of exercise and seven players out there really wanting a rest. <laughs> And, uh, and church communities, they, they can be like that. Uh, this church, I'm so thankful, isn't. There are so many people who are involved and helping out in all sorts of uh, big and small and unseen ways. And just because no one sees the way we might serve, might know about that conversation or things that we've sort of fixed up or do behind the scenes, God sees it. He values it. It doesn't make it any less valuable or important to God's building project so the third principle paul unpacks is maturity it's maturity maintain the unity contribute your ministry maturity the goal of all this is maturity completion so we don't sort of wave around like a reed in the wind but we sort of stand firm we stand firm biblical ministry is every member ministering for the building up of God's people, of other people, to maturity and unity. Have a look with me, verses 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So like a body has different, different parts, uh, all joined together, all different, but all part of the one body. So to be a Christian in a local church is like being a part of that body, different, but we're all part of the one body. All different but we're all equally dependent on God and on each other. Um, that is, is like a body, a human body. It, it works best when every part, you know, steps up and, and does what it's meant, designed to do, plays its role. It's, it's just, that's, it. that's God's vision for a local church. You need me here each Sunday to serve you, or a Bible teacher, someone like me, but friends... I need you here. I need you here each Sunday to serve and minister to me, to equip me. The things that God has taught me through so many of you over the years, astounding, astounding. We need each other. As we finish with some, uh, a few takeaways, what Jesus 
What, what, what might Jesus say to bodybuilders like Arnie? I think I've got a photo here of Arnie. Here he is. He looks a bit different at 68, doesn't he? He's still clearly working out. A bit more wrinkly, though. He still works out 90 minutes a day. He doesn't, he doesn't want to get flabby and lose his vitality. Does anyone know who this is? Anyone? Guinea's book record holder? Ernestine Shepherd? Anyone want to guess her age? 60? Try 78. 78. She's still in bodybuilding competition. She's a personal trainer. We can go to her, you know, personal training classes. She's in the Guinness Book of Records. Um, the oldest woman competing in bodybuilding. But what does God say to bodybuilders? For those of us who work out in any sort of way. And let me say, it's healthy for us to work out. It's good. I do it. But Paul writes it to a young Timothy. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And so it comes back to sort of finding a body. Finding something worth building. It's good investing in our own bodies, let me say. How much more valuable and precious to invest in the body that Jesus died to build. Arnold Schwarzenegger said at age 68, I'm as hungry today as I was when I was 20 years old. I'm always looking to take on new challenges. I think that is what life is all about. It's the difference between living and existing. We're all builders uh, whether we're working, starting out in life, in that um, retirement age, we're always building something. And again, it's just to lift the lid and to realise that whatever stage or age of your life, just like bodybuilding is good for you, whatever your age and stage, it's good for others. So getting involved, getting involved and committing to continue to build local churches like this one here, and others, hopefully, please consider doing that. Being a Christian is more, it's more than turning up to church on a Sunday by Sunday, okay? But it's not less than that, is it? True worshipping Christians, they want to come to church. They want to meet with other people. And display the eternal plan of grace of God. Display the glory of God. To show out that God really is fulfilling his plan. As builders, we want to turn up to the construction site as often as we can, don't we? Otherwise, the building's not going to get built as well. This uh, little book that I've uh, flagged suggested that if you want to read, and the more I read this book and think about it, um, 30 years of thinking has gone into this book. Is some really rich stuff that this pastor and guy who's led music um, writes. Let me just read a little bit. Worship and building are two sides of the same coin. When we serve others for their good, we're bringing glory to God. We typically think of building or edification as the responsibility of those who serve publicly, like the musicians or the pastor. They're supposed to edify me. This attitude can be revealed in our comments like, gee, the sermon seemed a little long today. I thought the soloist did a great job this morning. 
Gee, I wish they'd sing some songs I know. I really liked the way the pastor prayed. The band seemed a little off today. Not today. Okay, this is, it's in the book. All right. We evaluate the quality of our time together based on the actions of others rather than ourselves. But God wants us to come to meetings asking how we can serve. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. He says in chapter 14, strive to excel in building up the church. And again, let all things be done for building up. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not worried about what he'll be remembered for. He says, the important thing is I want to use my power of influence for good things and to improve the world. Now, I think there's something to be learnt there. He, he wants to keep trying to improve the world. But there's no more precious community to belong to, no more body to be building than a local church, no more worth, worthy project to expend ourselves on. Uh, being a church, growing a church, it's a team game. It's a team game. As one church leader puts it so beautifully, we're all knots in the net that God is throwing over the world. We're all knots in the net that God is throwing over the world. And when knots don't turn up, it leaves big holes that puts more strain.